May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God, our Father, and from his Son, our Savior, Jesus, who has set his face on the cross. After the snow and wind and drifts, it's rain and winds and floods in California. The reservoirs are full. The rivers are more than full. There is water everywhere. And it's spring break in Texas. Now, that doesn't mean that our weather is so much better, but we know that some of our family and some of our friends are enjoying the beaches and the waves and the water at Port A or Corpus or Galveston or South Padre. What a coincidence that today's gospel is all about water, not rainwater, not flood water, not bottled water, not sparkling water, but living water water. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts on this third Lenten Sunday to discover law and gospel in the well, the water, the truth, the hour, and the Christ. People God dearly loves. Here's a brief review of how the Gospel of John begins. In chapter 1, the way preparer announces, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. In chapter 2, Jesus performs his first miracle, his first sign at a wedding at Cana in Galilee. What does he do? He turns water into wine. In chapter 3, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born from above by water and by the Holy Spirit. Now, chapter 4 includes a surprising and interesting and a revealing encounter between Jesus and a stranger. It's not Nick at night. It's the Samaritan woman at noon. Jesus and the twelve are walking through Samaria. They are taking the most direct route south to north from Jerusalem up to Galilee. They stop outside a village called Sychar. It's noontime, so the disciples go into town to shop for some food. But Jesus, weary as he was, yes, he is true God, but he is also true man, truly human. He stays put. The Lord who calls us to rest in him needs to rest. He sits down by Jacob's well. The well, this well, well, is part one. Jesus is weary, he's hungry, and he's thirsty. But Jesus is also patient. You see, he could have clapped his hands or snapped his fingers and turned the well into a fountain But he waits. Jesus waits until someone approaches with a bucket or a jar. The water, as you've probably guessed, is part two. Then in language that seems a bit blunt, a bit harsh, Jesus says, give me a drink. No, good afternoon. No, excuse me. No, please, ma'am. Just the command. And as abrupt as the request was, So brusque is the reply. Why are you, a Jewish man, talking to me, a Samaritan woman? 
It's unexpected on two counts, a man addressing a woman, a Jew daring to speak to a Samaritan. John helps us here. You see it, it's in parentheses at the end of verse 9. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But I'm going to give you an example. You remember the story, some of you do, that Luke tells in, that Jesus tells in Luke 10. It's the one about a man robbed and beaten and stripped and left more than half dead by the side of the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. And remember who the hero of the story is. Not the priest, not the Levite, but gasp, a Samaritan who comes down the road and cares for the man, putting himself in danger and then using his own money at his expense, taking care of him. That gives you some idea of the animosity between Jews and intermarrying, foreign-occupying, scripture-denying Samaritans. But back to the story in John 4. I wonder this. When does the woman actually lower her water jar into the dark coolness of the well? When does Jesus take a satisfying drink on his parched lips and into his dry, dusty mouth? Is it right after he asks the woman for the drink? Or is it after she responds, why are you talking to me? Perhaps it's after verse 11. When the woman says to Jesus, how do you get it? You don't have a bucket or a jar. You can't just summon up water from this deep well. But how does Jesus respond to that first question? Why are you talking to me? He says, well, ma'am, if you knew who I am, and knew the gift of God, let's stop right there. Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan, to an outsider, and he is speaking to us. If she knew Jesus, if she knew who he really was, she would know that he was bringing God's gifts, and we do know him. We know that God is all about giving gifts. So today... We ask for his thirst-quenching gift. Jesus tells the woman that he has something new as he speaks plainly to her and yet with some mystery in his words. This water, whether he points to the well or to the jar in her hands, as refreshing as it is, is good for only a little while. You drink it. You'll be thirsty again, maybe in an hour, certainly by the end of the day. But the living water I give you is different. When you drink this water, you'll not be thirsty again. Never, ever. It will be a spring inside of you. That's the mystery. And the water will never run out. It will quench your thirst eternally. The woman listened. She listened with amazed eagerness. Sir, Lord, Kyrie, I want this water. Give me this water. Then I won't have to carry this empty, 
heavy ceramic jar out of town, fill it up, and lug it back into town every day. But it's now that the encounter takes another odd turn. Jesus doesn't say, yes, I'll give you that water. He doesn't say, no, you can't have it yet. Instead, part three, the truth. He says to the woman, go back into the village, call your husband, and bring him back here to the well. I think there's an awkward pause. Then she says, but I have no husband. Another pause, this time by Jesus, who says, that's right, you spoke the truth. In fact, you've had five different husbands, and you're not married to the guy you're living with now. Sir, Lord, Kyrie, you must be a prophet. How else could you know this about me? But notice how quickly she changes the subject. Tell me, where is the correct place to worship? Is it here at Mount Gerizim, or is it in Jerusalem at Mount Zion? Another pause, and then part four. Jesus says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain or on that mountain will God be worshipped for the hour. The promised time, the completed time, is now here. There is going to be true worship. Worship that the Holy Spirit prompts. Worship that is God-pleasing and God-focused. Because it's not about the place. It's about the object of worship. We've heard the well, the water, the truth, the hour. There's one more part. The woman says to Jesus... I know the Messiah, the Christ, is coming. I'm sure that when he arrives and appears, he will explain all these things to us. Without a pause, Jesus replies, Ego eimi, I am. I am. That's who is speaking to you. This is the first time that Jesus uses the divine name in the Gospel of John. It won't be the last time. That simple, strong proclamation is how today's gospel ends. But it's not the end of the story. What I want you to do is later today to go home and read verses 27 to verse 43. You'll hear about what Jesus says to the disciples when they return from their grocery shopping in Sychar. You'll hear Jesus speak powerful words about fields being white and ripe for harvest. You'll hear what the woman said to the townspeople when she returned home, leaving her water jar behind. You'll hear her question, can this man be the promised savior? And you'll hear that many of the Samaritans believe in Jesus, not just because of the woman's witness, but they say, We have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Yes, the fields in Samaria around Jacob's well were wonderfully white for harvest. The Israelites in the wilderness complained and grumbled because there was no water. 
they blamed Moses, accusing him of bringing them out of Egypt to die of thirst. So God told Moses to take his staff and whack the rock, and water gushed out. We are in the wilderness. We are weary on our journey. We are dry and parched because of our sin. We settle for little sips that won't and don't quench our spiritual thirst. But Jesus calls us to be hungry and thirsty, to be hungry and thirsty for his righteousness, to cry out in these words of Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And God shows his love for us in that while we were weak, while we were ungodly, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to change. The gift giver showers his gift of love on us. For on the cross at Golgotha, our Lord Jesus, yes, the Lord who cried out, I am thirsty. On the cross, he thirsted for our salvation and his perfect and holy death paid the price for all of our sin, for all of our guilt, for all of our deserved punishment. Many of you know this. Some of you don't, so you'll hear something new. John, the gospel writer, also writes the final book of Holy Scripture. This revelation, it concludes with a vision of the river of the water of life living water, ever-living water, flowing from the throne of God and of the crucified and risen and ascended and glorified Lamb. And here is verse 17 of Revelation 22. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. As you gave to the Samaritans, give to us the eternally refreshing, living water. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.